0: Welcome to Beer Me. My name is Sarah Jane, your host, typically recorded at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. However, for those of you who have been listening, this summer we have been doing Beer Me on the Road. So, this is the same show that you know and love. I'm still interviewing people from different facets of the beer world so that we can look at the beer world through different lenses. However, I will be recording wherever I happen to be. So, today I am in Atlanta, Georgia... Uh, And I'm speaking with a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Sarah Franco. She is the bar manager at Hop City Craft Beer and Wine uh, here at the Krog Street Market. So first and foremost, Sarah, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're sitting in this, you know, your very typical
1: restaurant dungeon office that everybody has. (laughs)
0: Um, But it's, you know, this is much nicer compared to most uh, restaurant and offices. We can like,
1: actually fit like 5 people in here, which yeah. is shocking. So, you can. yeah. There's a microwave. I have forks and lollipops. We have sriracha. Like we try to make sure we got you covered in this all is, your
0: food needs. This is this is amazing. I mean, <laughs> This is great. I previously worked in an office that was basically just a closet with
1: shelves in it. A closet's being gracious, I would say, yeah. in that too. It really was like uh, we just were missing a water heater, and it would and then, have just been a water closet. It. So yeah. this is this
0: is quite this is luxury. Um, so, Sarah, can you tell the listeners who are maybe not familiar with Hop City what you are, what you guys are all about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, originally we started out as a homebrew growler and bottle shop. Uh, there was a need in Atlanta for getting homebrew supplies, having someone there to coach you along the way, uh, as well as a large beer selection. We had the largest beer and wine selection in the Southeast. So all our stores really try to diversify what we do. We have a wine buyer that makes a point to buy wines you can't get at a grocery store or Target, but at the same price point. So it really expands the, the horizon on what you're able to try. Um, after one location did so well, we started to open another location. We have one in Birmingham, and then we have a couple more in Atlanta. Um, that are all the same premises. Really large selection of beer. Everything can be bought in singles, so you don't have to always commit to a four or six pack. And then each location has uh, a a bar attached to it. Uh, Each bar has a varying amount of taps. The one I work at, we have 60 draft lines. 60. 60, yeah, 60, yeah. And uh, they change as often as a beer runs out. So we probably go through about... 50 to 55 kegs a week uh i would say um but that allows us really to be able to diversify our portfolio and really allows to offer something for everyone which is just what the retail does too
0: yeah so and you were telling me earlier that you have a pretty cool policy in that once you have a beer on and it kicks then it can't go on for a month
1: yeah i uh the idea of, of having so many taps should really be taken advantage of when I think about it. So uh, I really try to make a rule for myself that I breweries are constantly making new beers. I mean every beer they come up with is something different. Um, mm-hmm. it, there were, the model seems to be like going away from like a core five. Now it's just constantly rotation. So I want to take advantage of that constant rotation of beer, so I'll put put a beer on and I usually give it four to six weeks once it runs out before I allow it on again to kind of really change up uh, the availability of what we have. I also really think it's great for my staff because it kind of keeps them on their toes so that, that they're always constantly testing their palate, learning new flavors, and learning how to describe wheat beer 15 different ways.
0: Yeah. So I totally agree. I think it's a little scary, though, for distributors and importers and producers because you're seeing that more and more that people kind of constantly want this variety. You're seeing less and less that dedicated Absolutely. And I
1: always, I just think about at at a brewer's standpoint where, like, you make this really good IPA, but you know you can make it better. But no one cares about you making it better. They just want something new. So really... It diminishes that opportunity to have, like, a, an IPA that you love, that you can constantly have. And you'll understand. I'm going to heart back to Bell's Two-Hearted, which yeah, is just... so
0: Sarah and I both worked at Bertram Raleigh Church <laughs> Key. And, um, you know, without fail, we... we like That's 90, what we drank after 99% work. 99% of the time, we had Bell's Two-Hearted on draft, Allagash White, and Schlafly Polish. Like, those are the three that were... Really and I,
1: for... I definitely, if you know Birch and Barley and Church Key, you will know the influence when you see my draft menu because I have Allegash White, Bell's Two-Hearted on almost as much as I have Tropicalio, which is like the number one selling beer in Georgia right now. Really? Um, Yeah. That one's by Creature
0: Comforts? Yep,
1: Creature Comforts has really, really made probably the biggest mark on Georgia beer scene. Mm -hmm. They were the first... That uh, you saw people trading for in that kind of world, um, but and now when she says trading, she means like beer nerds
0: trading beers on the internet. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. Um, but uh, now you've really seen. a started to grow. There's some really great breweries out here. Monday night, uh, Second Self, uh, Orpheus. You're seeing a lot of great so right. local breweries, and that's something that Georgia is really particular about is most people here would rather have a locally made beer than a beer from another state so it makes building a beer list trying to find that balance of giving you enough local options but also trying to introduce you to new breweries and new styles um and that's interesting i wonder what cuz you know in dc
0: everybody of course loves a local made beer and you always have local, and this is something that I've talked with many of my guests about, is that local does not always equate to good.
1: No! And
0: So, where do you think that comes from, that, that heavy pride in in Georgia-made beer?
1: I think what it is, is so right now we do have a lot of weird Georgia blue laws, that we call them. Brewers cannot make beers above 13.9%. You can't buy a 12-ounce beer uh, single at a... Beer shop, you have to buy more than 12 ounces. Uh, We just started being able to sell beer and wine on Sundays as a retailer. We were just now able to start selling beer, liquor, and wine on Sundays before noon uh, as a restaurant. So we're really, we still have a lot of these very strange and antiquated laws, but I think. Thanks, prohibition. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And especially coming from DC, which is essentially the Wild West when it comes to distribution. Um, I think that now that we're leaning towards fixing some of those laws, Georgia takes a lot of pride in the fact that we have so many breweries to choose from. And I think, like you said, local doesn't equate to good. But for me, I would rather the beer have almost a narrative than be good. Like, I want a purpose behind the beer. And when I'm able to understand the purpose of, like, what the brewer was trying to imagine, even if I don't like the lemon zest and lavender in it, the attempt and the, the narrative really makes me interested in just a beer being a beer. And I think that that's kind of where the, lo- the hyper-localness really builds in, is that we have brewers that are really, really trying to make things interesting. And that's always what I go for in beer, is is I want that interesting, new, and different, regardless of if it's good or bad. I like the process of trying something different.
0: Now, do you get the same kind of requests for other kinds of beverages, for it needs to be Uh, hyper-local?
1: To a degree. So basically, to kind of describe... To make the most sense of the type of market that we have. Mm -hmm. Imagine a mall food court that happens to have a 60 tap beer in it. Mm -hmm. So, during the weekdays, your food court is pretty small. The neighborhood comes in. But on the weekends, you have uh, mass crowds who are tourists, who come out of town. I'd say about 60% of our customers are one-time only customers. So, they don't live in Atlanta. They live outside. So, they don't come here. So, it's really a balance of having those local beers that I know people have heard of, have wanted, that maybe if you live two hours outside of Atlanta, you can't get. But also, also having beers that I know everybody kind of likes. Like, you see an Abita Strawberry Lager on in the summer, and while, you know, Abita doesn't get touted as being the best craft beer, they make good beer, and it's beer that people want. So it's finding the balance of local what I know a mall food court crowd would drink, and then being able to throw in a couple little treasures in there for those in the know that when they see that, they're like, oh, that Russian kvass is really special, and you don't get to see that on draft often. So it's finding that balance. And it took me a few months of either... And real quick, kvass, for those who maybe don't know. Oh, fermented rye bread is the best way I... I've been told, essentially, it's the root beer for kids in Russia. It's a very, very low ABV, kind of sweet, kind of funky. I mean, root beer is really the best description I can get for it is that. Um, But uh, what's great is that if I'm able to have a conversation with a guest who maybe hasn't expanded their horizon on beer or doesn't understand the vast amounts of beer that exist now, um, being able to introduce them to something because while the order that you know, Tropicalia, I'm going to give them a taste because we talked about that Russian kvass, so now they know something new and maybe that inspires them to like, start realizing that there is this whole world of beer that so many people don't seem to understand exists yeah. and I really I think we've talked about before I mean, years ago even, the approachability factor and uh Beer nerds and beer bars can have a tendency to to cater to the beer nerds and that's great and that's awesome but beer existed.
0: Can you tell, can you tell them about when we had our, so I, I, I I had, I, I hired, I hired Sarah here at Virgin Valley Church Key and are you okay with this? Oh yeah, no, this is perfect. So we, during her, during her interview,
1: I asked her what her favorite beer was and she said, uh, Coors Light, it was the first words that came out of my mouth and knowing the place I interviewed at, my face immediately went oh shit that is not what you're supposed to say here but you had the best response you laughed and you were like that's what we need right now we need the notion of somebody walking up to the bar and being like i like cores not cores light and not being scoffed at i mean like yeah me too but here's what i got that's similar and then to me what's so exciting is that's kind of what happened to me how I got into beer is I approached a bar I said I like this and the bartender said if you like this try this and it was something so interesting and different and then it really just made me realize that like here I am saying I don't like IPAs when the whole world of IPAs opens up and there's every flavor you could imagine like it's it's, it's, it's great and I love being able to have that approachability factor where I am because I have to cater to a mall food court crowd, but at the same time to have some treasures in there and to see someone who would who comes in and order Coors light and then gets really excited about a milkshake IPA with lactose and vanilla and pineapple in it all of a sudden is so neat because I just changed your idea of beer and you're gonna go into the store now and purchase all these beers you've never heard of because you realize like the flavor of beer is across the like across the world. Yeah. And I think that it's that's that's what makes it my job exciting every day to me, I guess, is seeing that on people's faces.
0: So, and for those of you just tuning in, I'm chatting with Sarah Franco. She's the bar manager at Hop City Craft Beer and Wine here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so you had mentioned Creature Comforts, um, and this is a place that you have worked, you worked with them before. Tor.
1: I didn't work with them. I have known um, one of their longest term founding employees since mm-hmm. we were 10. Um, so this is a brewery
0: out of Athens, Georgia, mm-hmm. and why are they important?
1: Uh, because, so, uh, Creature Conference has really made a impact on the Georgia brewing world. A, because... They started lobbying for the laws to change. Just recently, uh, breweries were allowed to sell their package beer to go. It used to be breweries a year ago could not sell their package. You also couldn't buy pints. You could buy a tour and then get, like, one-ounce taster glasses. So it's just this, they really, really fought to change the notion of what a brewery is. And that alone made... Everyone who's opening new breweries now have the opportunity to have a bar in their brewery and have your customers not just get a tour, have, you know, three ounces of whatever you have, and then leave. This is now where you can hang out. And they also... They made the first beer in Georgia that you saw people outside of the country seeking. Tropicalia was this IPA that came out, and it was it exploded. You were getting people trading Treehouse for it, Hill Farmstead. Like this was something that they really, really pushed. And what's great about them is that they have the opportunity to and the ability to go outside the Georgia market. They they have built a bigger facility. They're producing more beer, but they want to do it on their terms. So they're not rushing at all. So they're taking their time. And when they feel like the quality of their beer can consistently be as good as it is, then they can start looking at outside distribution. So you really see them taking the time to, like we said, so many brewers are just not having to make a new beer over and over and over again because everyone just wants what's new they still have new beers but they don't focus only on doing new beers and they focus on really really trying to stick within the parameters of the true style for most beers and that's that's something that i think longevity wise is what's going to help them and then they were also in a marvel movie recently i think uh, athena was oh drinking. Yes. <laughs> so they also got the uh, little plug in uh like a you know whatever captain america i know nothing it was i think it was the avengers end okay yeah
0: i don't i didn't see it but i i hear good things yep
1: nope there was a can of one of their sours right there and then the director wore a tropicalia shirt at comic-con in california like two years ago so atlanta or georgia being such a big movie producing state now uh It's kind of interesting to see how our beer scene is expanding in a way that is a little bit unusual because it's being expanded by, like, movie stars. Like, that's how Tropicalia got popular on set is that, like, the stagehands would bring Tropicalia in and the actors would drink it, and now they were sent out every day to get it. And now they they want it in California because that's where they live. And that's such a unique way to get your beer popular, I think.
0: I never thought of that. So... You know, for me, Creature
1: Comforts was, like, a
0: trailblazer for Georgia, A hundred percent. Are there... And, you know, there are a lot of breweries opening up, like, crazy in this area. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Are there...
0: I'm not trying to sound mean here. No, no, no. But I know there are a lot of breweries that are kind of, like, opening up and, like, just kind of following the trends and, like, just are there any breweries that are opening
1: up right now that are that are also kind of trailblazers that are kind of doing their own thing absolutely uh a place called halfway crooks just opened up and i mean just opened up about a month or two ago inside scoop right here, here oh me. yeah uh they're <laughs> phenomenal uh what is really great about them is their focus is lagers and pilsners oh, and you're talking my language right and there. i mean and any beer nerd that's the great thing about lagers and pilsners is you can't hide behind any other flavor. So either you make a good one or you don't make a good one. Mm-hmm. There's there's no adjuncts to hide behind. No, you can't eight. hide behind hops. You can't no. buy, hide behind high alcohol. Nope, it, it is be. what it is. And they also are uh, not willing to distribute at all right now. You can only really get it at their, at their brewery. Uh, and they're also uh, not willing to do one-offs. They are now perfecting like seven beers that they want to do and they're all that's lager and it's awesome it is it's incredible and it's funny I started seeing these hats around town and it just said logger, lager lager on it and I was like that's such a cute hat like where is it coming from and sure enough halfway crooks has awesome merch so they made hats all about loggers, and they made shirts just about pilsners so it's such a a refreshing sight to see is is a brewery really just trying to make good beer with nothing to hide behind you yeah. know what i mean and that i think is going to be a turn as a beer buyer this year i've been shocked by my lager and pilsner sales yes it's summer and yes it's hot and they're easy drinking but i have now people coming in asking for marzins and keller Weiss's and like How do you know what that is when you ordered, you know, like a Narragansett from me two weeks ago? And it's so neat to see people really looking at the styles that created the beer world that we live in and, like, give recognition to the fact that if it wasn't for these types of beers, none of the other ones we have would exist. So it's so awesome to see someone come in and really be excited about, like, a Dunkelweiss being on and being like, we're how you okay yes let's do it let's do it so like I've thoroughly been enjoying buying new loggers each week because of that because yeah. now it's a great style to get somebody into beer especially when someone just says like I want a beer that tastes like beer and then you have a beer that tastes like amazing beer to give them is always a little better you know now, aside from breweries,
0: uh, Atlanta also has amazing beer bars. You and I got to partake in
1: Porter. Yeah, the Porter is definitely, I would say, the Porter and the Brick Store, which is in Decatur, are the two premier I mean, you saw it last night we had uh, loggers on slow pour, and for those of you who don't know, the slow pour is basically like an eight-minute process to get your logger to pour. But you essentially have like eight inches of head foam, textured like whipped cream, that just sort of really brings out the aromatics of the logger, and it's such a great way to try the loggers. And they do their loggers on side pour, so it's, it's basically all, cereal bubbles. Oh, it's it yes, and it's amazing, <laughs> and. And the Brick Store really focuses uh, their top floor all on Belgian styles. And then their bottom floor, you'll have more of your unique craft scene. Mm-hmm. But they have led the way to having more... Your average going-out bars really care about the beer. And like I said, again... With the hyper localness, you see a lot of Georgia beers, which is just great for the entire state. Because the better our state looks at beers, then maybe people will start taking trips like they do to Vermont and Maine. You know, where they build
0: their entire trip around around like how many
1: beer places they can stop. And like, I really, I think that. Like between, uh, like birds fly south out of uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and Great Raft in Louisiana, and Trim Tab in Alabama. There's some really great breweries. Fonta Flora. Fonta Flora too and Morgantown, uh, and you know, cigar City's a little further down, um, down in Tampa. It's but, worth it. But it's it is all these different places that you could make a southern beer tour trip just as easily as they really think about the East Coast. Um, and that's what that's what's really exciting to me is being able to like really show people like you can build and then oh even Nashville's got some great breweries oh, coming. Bearded Irish yes, and a Jackalope. bearded iris. Yes, yeah, exactly like it really, it's it's so it's so neat to see and coming and like I said, coming from DC, uh, where we were just barely allowed to brew beer in the last like eight years, like it's really a fresh scene. Uh, the South has been able to build up more breweries because of just a lot of time that they've had Uh, so it's nice to see them getting credit for putting that effort in for so long because you have such great breweries on the East Coast that pop out out of the blue and then are amazing like right away we're down here it's taken like a while to kind of build up your reputation Yeah.
0: so I have to ask the question now what's your favorite beer?
1: Uh, so I think I'm gonna bump from Coors Light to probably Bell's Too Hearted. Um, <laughs> uh, we used to joke at church, and I make the joke here. I was like, you know, people would always ask us customers, "Well, what do you drink here?" Yeah, and I would say honestly, at the end of the day, I just want a really solid, well-made, kind of bitter beer. I tend to, I tend to joke around and talk about drinks being my punishment when i'm in a bad mood i want like a negroni and i want it aggressive and i want those first sips to be bitter and harsh but then as the ice melts and it mellows out the cocktail my mood has also started to mellow out so i kind of like the notion of a two-hearted you get that centennial hop right away and it can be a little malty and it can be a little bitter but five sips in you realize you're drinking a classic style ipa that's exactly what i want um We have uh, a brewery here called Arches that uh, makes true-to-style beers. If he is going to make a German Hefeweizen, he has water shipped in from Germany. Like, he very much sticks to -to true-to-style. So, their Vienna Lager is like, oh oh my gosh, is is phenomenal. So, again... I used to, at Church Key, it used to be I wanted the newest milkshake or the newest adjunct sour or like, yeah. you know, it was much fruit and stuff in it, but I think it's funny as our beer tastes progress, mm-hmm. you start to realize it just comes right back to it. I like beer and at the end of the day, I just want a beer that tastes exactly like a beer I'm craving, which is going to be a little hoppy, a little malty, smooth finish and just refreshing at the end of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I'm happy. Yeah. And you know what? Nothing wrong with the occasional Coralite Coralite no, at a baseball no, game. I you mean, know what I mean?
1: And I love I worked at a bar years ago that did uh Miller High Life toast at midnight on New Year's Eve instead yeah. of champagne. It is the champagne of beers. I, it's
0: Perfect. It I, debuted in on New Year's Eve at on what, nineteen oh three. Yeah,
1: I mean so I love and I do and there is and that's what again, the approachability factor. There's a time and place for all those kinds of beers. Yeah. And it would never be I would never be I hate when people walk up and they're embarrassed to tell me like I just like Miller Lite. Yeah, I like Miller Lite too. But here's what I got that like I would drink if I wanted a Miller Lite. Now, those types of questions are are why you go to beer bars if you want to get into yeah. it and if you there have There should be no beer shaming. No, no, no beer at all. Shaming. And that's 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 why I kind of like working at a mall food court, because I... Okay, you're selling it a little shorter. It is, I mean, this, high, is, this is a food it's market... A, it's a very high-end food market, yeah. but the notion on Saturday is I'm not getting a beer in crowd, I'm getting a crowd that's been really hot walking around outside, so... I, I love the fact that I can give them the light, easy-drinking beer that they requested when they asked for a Miller Lite or a Bud Light or something like that, and it still satisfies them. But then I also love that if they have a little bit of interest, we can get weird and start looking at, like, a Brett-heavy Grisette I just put on because no one knows what a Grisette is, and they're missing out on, like, a wonderful world right there. But, like, it's 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 been... It's re reinvigorated my love for beer Mm -hmm. because when we interviewed the whole notion was I'm not coming in here to be the beer guy for you I'm coming in here because I want everyone else to feel comfortable and I think I said that I am I'm awkward enough that as soon as you meet me I'm more awkward than you so you'll feel comfortable instantly (laughs) because I'm just gonna go ahead and like do something silly that'll make you feel right at home and that's what beer bars should strive for they shouldn't strive for scoffing at somebody asking for a domestic beer because there's nothing wrong with those domestic beers and frankly we wouldn't have the craft beer world we have if it wasn't for domestic beer so you know credit should be credit due and you know, especially you hear some of your favorite smaller breweries getting bought out by larger companies. And I know it hurts. It's almost like when your favorite band gets really popular and everyone goes and sees them. But begrudging somebody's success is not, no. not what we should do. I mean, I talked about this in a previous episode
0: um, where, you know, I was talking about Ballast Point uh, being sold. Uh, for a a billion, a billion to with a b. Yeah. Um Oof. and you know I was talking to my husband about it and he's he's not really into beer um and ironically and <laughs> <laughs> you know I was kind of like, "Oh, yeah. Oh, they sold. I'm so sad." And he's like, "Well, they're a business and they sold, so this is successful." And
1: that's at the end of the day like, okay. And that's where i That's where the nerdiness then gets into me. Because you liked Ballast Point Sculpin before it was sold. They haven't changed the recipe, but you won't buy it now because it's, like, not craft technically. And I get the notion of supporting small businesses. And, again, I absolutely understand the idea of supporting local businesses. But at the same time, stopping to enjoy something that you enjoyed because it's now no longer brewed independently. It's just you're you're begrudging people who you originally liked the success that they wanted. They don't get into brewing not to make a living. And some people's dreams aren't to be big and that's great if they wanna keep it small the whole time. But if if you have a brewery and you get offered a billion dollars for it, your whole family for the next 200 years is taken care of I'm not going to begrudge that From you at all and I'm still going to Drink your grapefruit sculpting because I think it's really
0: Delicious (laughs) Yeah no for sure well Thank you so much for taking the time Out of your busy day no
1: of course and I'm So glad we got to see each other in Atlanta and I'm glad that you got to see a little bit of the beer scene While you were here too for
0: sure well Listeners
1: come check out Atlanta
0: Definitely well worth it really cool beer Scene really cool beer people Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, uh, shoot me an email, uh, beermeradio at gmail.com. Reach out to me on Instagram, at beermeradio. Uh, Otherwise, we'll see you next episode. Cheers. Bye. Bye.